This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. A weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together. Make us happy. Make us whole. Make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. Welcome back. Happy Thursday. Hope you're all well. This week, we're so excited. Brie from School of Betty is joining us. We had Brie back on episode 17 of This is Joy and Claire. The episode is called Money Talk. If you want to go back and listen to that, Brie is the founder of School of Betty, which is an amazing program and coaching and just universe based on helping women get more comfortable with their financial selves. And we are excited to talk to Brie today about all sorts of things. Brie, welcome. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. We have this topic has come up again. And so we were like, you know what? We should have Brie back. And I feel like it's one of those topics that we don't talk about very often because it's like, I don't know, it depends on your comfort level. It's not like a how's the weather conversation. How's your money (laughs) situation? You know, it's not like we're doing that all the time, but maybe we should be. But thank you so much for just joining us again, because we just want to dive into some separate things. Certainly, listeners, if you didn't listen to the episode 17 that we did on This is Joy and Claire with Brie, you can go back and listen to that episode. We talked a little bit more about kind of just like your comfort level with money, uh, how you're raised around money and how that impacts how you deal with money now. And I think this time we really want to talk more about how it impacts our identity, especially as it relates to career. career. You and I have had some conversations offline about this. So can we start just uh, opening the gate with how that can be wrapped up into your identity as it relates to your career? Oh, my goodness. That's such a layered question. And I think if you've ever gone through a career transition where you were actually changing careers and you identified really strongly with the one that you were previously in, that's a rough shift because most of us don't recognize or realize how much weight we're putting towards something and how much we are identifying with it. So if you think about your life and you, I'll I'll use a very vague, like kind of a lame example, but when I was crossfitting in a CrossFit coach and eventually left that, I had no idea how much I had put my identity into that, being a CrossFitter, being a CrossFit coach. And so when I needed to move out of it, a couple of things happened. Number one, I didn't move out of it as as fast as I probably should have for my health and just what was happening in my life because I couldn't wrap my brain around that not being a part of my life. And the second thing is when that thing goes, if you have put too much of your identity into it, there's a big old hole that you have to fill that all of a sudden when it's gone you feel very ungrounded and very untethered. And you can imagine what that does if you're shifting careers and all of a sudden you're leaving something where you have identified with it. It has been your whole personality, everything that you do. People know you as this thing, which is often how the identity becomes really baked in. And you're moving into a career that maybe is making less money or is um, the people around you are like, what is that? Like, they don't even know what it is. You will often, you will be tempted to make decisions that feel more comfortable for those around you instead of what's probably in alignment for you. Because usually what's in alignment for you when you're heading into one of those transitions, it's hard. Well, The other piece that comes to mind is how 
other people will project their discomfort onto you. So if you want to start your own business, they'll be like, well, what about, you know, it's all their projections onto you and their discomfort. But what happened? Let's just say like with your example. So were you in a place where you didn't want to leave because of the identity or you, why didn't you want to leave as quickly? Yeah, I had identified with that for so long. I mean, I coached for three years, but I was doing CrossFit for nine or 10 years. It was very foreign for me. It was the unknown. It was the unknown of what is next. It goes into deeper, right? Will my body change? What kind of workouts am I doing? What is this going to look like? But the area that I think really pops up is the unknown of you going into the transition. You just don't know what it's going to be. Are people going to judge me? Are people going to be like, what's going on? And again, as I say all of these things, it was never, it's never like an internal, it's always the fear of someone judging you from the outside that is curbing how you move forward often. Do you think that people need to have their next step planned out before they jump to something? I don't. That's such a great question. What I do think they need is they need to feel safe and secure financially and emotionally in that space. Because if you are taking a leap and you don't feel financially secure, um, you know, emotionally, it's going to be, it's going to be different, right? You're going to be dealing with a lot of different things, but you're not going, you're going to add a lot more stress onto your life instead of creating the freedom and the spaciousness that you need in order to actually think through what the next step is, to have that discovery, to have that revelation. And the flip side of that is so many people can take a leap, but they don't ever run the numbers or actually sit down with it if they're, if, if they have a shared household with their partner to say, okay, what would this look like if I left my job and I wasn't working for six months? What would it look like if I took a job that paid less? Like sit down and actually get comfortable and know the numbers because so many people assume they can't do it. And that's not necessarily true. Assume that they can't leave their job. Can't leave their job, can't take a leap, can't take a part-time job and start a business on the side. We make these assumptions because everything around us tells us that that's that's really risky. Mm -hmm. But what most individuals don't do is actually sit down and run the numbers and look at their numbers for their household. How much do I need to actually make to survive and live a life that I'm comfortable with in that moment in this transition? And that can be uncomfortable in and of itself is to sit down and make a budget. Yes. I'm guessing. 100%. Because that is sometimes even facing debt. And that can be scary to people. I know that that's probably a lot of reason why people get into credit card debt because it's like, I'm just not going to look at it. It doesn't exist. (laughs) And, you know, so I think that that's another thing, but, but facing this is really why we want to have this discussion too, is just, if you are going to do it, you do have to face the reality of what your budget looks, looks like. So for example, when you and I talked, we talked briefly, like right after I uh, left my job and I was like, Oh yeah, it's really scary because I'm so used to just, I've been really lucky in my life to have jobs pretty consistently out of grad school. And I've never really had to free fall with money because I've always been able to support myself in some way, shape or form. You were like, cool, that's what savings are for. Because I told, I was told, telling you, I'm like, yeah, I have savings. And you're like, awesome. That's what savings are for, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's what <laughs> savings are for. Which sounded so silly, but I I assumed, I'm just using myself as, as an example, but I assumed that I was like, it's going to run out because I was so scared. 
but you're like, but that's what savings are for. And I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. Like, you just don't, you have to kind of check yourself sometimes of how you think about all of this. Oh, 100%. And that is super common with a lot of my students lately, especially as we've gone through, you know, COVID and pandemic. So many have had to, if they had savings, had to dip into it. And that's, that has stirred a lot of feelings and emotions. And you just have to ask the question, well, what well, what would you use that for? So it's really important when you have these buckets of money or you have savings that you actually sit and, and list the intention or how, how would I use this? So that you're almost giving yourself in your mind permission because when you get used to having a big chunk of money in an account, when it goes down, you're, it's going to stir naturally. And it doesn't matter how good your money mindset is. It, it's naturally going to trigger a like, oh, oh no, like I'm losing money. And when we had the conversation, um, you know, it's like, it's going to run out. And it's like, well, what's the actual timeline of it running out? Like, well, let's run the numbers. Run the like, numbers, right. Like? And that's exactly what Scott would say. Because another conversation is like how you manage money with your partner. We have a very unique way of doing things. It's our business. But yeah, he was like, well, do how much time you have? And I was like, I don't know. Because I like, it's, it's scary to look at it, you know, but it's like, you have to. And then you make a plan, like, stop freaking out. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Because there's so much stress and anxiety in the not knowing when it comes to money. We, we worry about, you know, swiping the card at the grocery store if our, if our financial circumstances have changed because we're not sure exactly how much is in there or how much we have to spend on our groceries. We are stressed out about our debt because we don't actually know what the total is or how long it will take us to pay it off or how much we have to put towards it. Like it's all unknown. And there's an easy fix for that, y'all. We just rip the Band-Aid off and we look at the numbers and it sounds really scary, but once you do it, even just looking at your total debt and looking at that number, you will feel relief in your body. It will be a very physical like, like sigh because you at least know. And then you can get to work to start using your money and taking actions to chip away at it to make a plan for it but when Do you we don't know what it is you're just spinning around yeah. Do you find that this reminds me of like a, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so if you're kind of like, well, I just don't want to look at that, that there's probably a lot of things in your life that you're just trying to get through and not look at and not face. And that can bring up a lot of emotions too, of course. But like, what is the first, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of a rip the bandaid type of approach just because I'm like, yeah, you can't just like go gently into this. You just have to do it and then mm -hmm. deal with the emotions later. But what are the ways, like the first steps people can do? Just like, how do you start? What do you do? Well, first of all, just tell yourself before you start to do it that it's just a number. Gosh, we give so much emotion to the money and money cannot take on an emotion unless you give it an emotion. And so we're so good at just saying money is stressful. And it's like, well, money is just a number. It's just, <laughs> it's just there. It's like, I always use this example. It's like your sock is stressing you out. It's like, you're not stressed out about your socks. Like they're just socks. They do what you tell them to do. And money's the same way. Money will do what you tell it to do. And simply listing all of your debts, um, the interest rate, how much you owe, what your credit limit is and your minimum payment and just list it all out and then add up that total minimum payments so that you know every month I have to be able to at least make this payment because 
35% of your credit score is making the minimum payment on time. You don't have to pay it off. I mean, that's why some people have a lot of debt. Um, you know, 30% is your debt to credit ratio, but a lot of people can really swing a decent credit score and still have debt. It's because they're still making those payments um, on time. But the fact, if you know all of that, then you can create a plan. Then you can look at it and say like, all right, let's focus on credit cards first. And then I'm going to choose snowball. I'm going to knock out the tiniest debt first because that's going to feel really motivating. Or no, that stresses me out. I want to do avalanche. I want to start with the highest interest first. But the first step is, is going through and writing out all the numbers and what's really powerful for most individuals is they start to realize very quickly how little they actually know about their credit cards and the interest rate and what's going on with that. A lot of my students have to really search for their interest rate. They got to like find it in their yeah, limit. Like they just interest- don't know what those are. They yeah, just don't know what they are. Really? Yeah. And that's huge, huge. huge. I mean, you could spend so much money on interest rates if you're not paying attention to that. Yes. Um, or yearly fees, annual fees that a credit card will all of a sudden just spring on you or what have you. But um, okay, so that's a good way to start. I, I'm kind of all, all over the place today, but I have a lot of questions that I really also want to ask. Back to our question around like career changes. Let's talk a little bit about your beliefs or your opinions around asking for or working for a certain salary, and then maybe taking a less salary because it'll make you happier. Because I feel like especially in this day and age, we're all kind of like, well, we got to climb the ladder, at least like with a little bit of hustle culture behind us. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about your opinions on that piece. Mm, I got a lot of opinions. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I I love that you brought that up because we do have a lot of beliefs and stories around success in our careers and what that looks like. And for many of us, that looks like we have to keep gaining titles and we have to keep making more money. And that's not necessarily true. I mean, some individuals, I have students who are perfectly happy not being a manager, doing their worker bee job, nine to five, clock it in. They make just enough money to live their life and they are happy. Amazing. And so the first check is, I think, to ask yourself, what is it that's driving me that makes me feel like I need to, I'm, I'm, I'm attaching some of my self-worth to the salary that I'm making. And we can get so focused on that. We can just be in this tunnel vision around that when the other part of the equation, the other two resources we have to take into consideration are the time and energy. So our money and our time and our energy, those are the resources that we have every day and we're using them every day. And you are never making a decision about one without considering the other two. Now, when it comes to careers, we often forget or we don't even think about the fact that I could make $20,000 less and run the numbers and how much time and energy I'm going to get back in my life to do these things that actually spend time with my family, move my body more, do some things that bring me joy, not have stress on my body. Like so many individuals aren't taking into um, account the energetic cost, what they're spending energetically, the death that's happening energetically because they took that higher job that is stressing them the F out because they got more money when they can't actually enjoy the more money because they're just like on the grind. And I know this sounds really trite, but if you're using that example, for example, 20K more a year is not 
paycheck to paycheck, it's really not that much more. <laughs> so it's like how yeah. you weigh that out is like, that is really important. So the reason I asked that question too, is just very much because I went through my health issues and I like the stress of a job, it just was not worth the money. But but you're thinking, especially as a woman, and you like, want to like, wow, this is really cool that you're making more money or having a better title. And at the end of the day, it was just, and I'm not saying this was like with every job, but I have a hard time. I haven't heard yet a lot of people that are, are climbing the ladders that are like super, super fulfilled and happy. Like they're usually pretty stressed out. And so I think it's just that piece of paying attention and weighing that. And also it's okay to just kind of look at what is the benchmark or I guess the minimum that you need to make to just like live your happy lifestyle. Yeah. And we're conditioned to be in this space where, I mean, think about when you go to a cocktail party or meeting someone for the first time, one of the first questions you get asked is, what do you do? <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing if someone was like, what do you do for fun? Or what makes you happy? Like who the freak right. asks that? That would yeah. be amazing. I hate that what question. I, I really do. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, even with my students, when you start doing a vision, it's like, what kind of life do you want? Like, what do you want? No one knows because we haven't spent enough time being in this space of like, what do I actually want my life to look like? Yeah. What do you want your life to look like? I also wonder like if people, the people that do the hashtag van life have just stripping everything away to feel what it feels like to just have very little to kind of go to that extreme. I could never do that. But what I'm saying is I think there's some beauty in just being like, could I live without all of these things and experience what it's like to just be kind of bare bones? But I, yeah, I mean, the titles, the money, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, even if I was a millionaire, I would have different friends and I would be like, um, like pe- people that have tons and tons of maybe millionaires, like nothing these days, but let's say maybe a billionaire or someone who's like, super, super loaded. It comes with like a weird echelon of people <laughs> that I'm like, I don't know, I think I'm good. Like, I don't need to make a crap load of money. But I think like, as you're growing up, that's kind of the thing is you see all these great and wonderful things that you could buy. And it's just, uh, it's it's very interesting for me to watch. And maybe that's just something because I work in psychology, I'm always observing the people yeah, aspect yeah. of it. And how it, how it and changes people. Totally. And we're not actually shown um, the millionaires and billionaires that are choosing to use their money in a different way. So we have this vision of what that looks like. And I always say that, you know, money doesn't necessarily change you. It just amplifies who you are inherently. Mm, yeah. So when you're running across someone who's a... yeah. That's true. not a nice person. They have that's a lot of true. money. It's like they probably weren't that nice when they didn't have a lot of money. That's super At least true. that's the belief that I have because, yeah, because most of us want more money and we well, judge individuals who have it and we're afraid to ask yes, for it. So, yes. And that was my next jump was like, so we're talking a lot about people. We're talking mostly right now about the lack of it. Most of the people you're talking to and coaching don't have they don't have their finances in order and they want more money or they want to get out of debt and so that's kind of the next jump of how then do we either ask for more money if you're at a career like maybe asking for raises and advocating yeah well i think first of all and i know this is not a sexy answer but you have to know the you have to know your money for your household you have to know your expenses. You have to know how much you need to live. Because if you don't know that, we're flying blind. Like, we're just like, we have no idea. Like, it's like, 
you, you have no senses around what is a good decision and what isn't a good decision because you don't have that base level knowledge. So it's, you know, if you were going into a career change, if you were going into ask for more money, you have to know, you know, what do you need to be paid just to walk in the door? What do you need to be paid just to walk into the door for the promotion? If it's like a promotion, you're going to be managing 10 more people, right? You need to have a sense of what that is for you, which is going to require that you are doing an audit of your money, time, and energy to say, is this worth it for me? And so first and foremost, I think you have to understand that and you have to know that it's not sexy by any means, but so many don't know what that is. And it's not bad to ask for money or want more money that we just have a lot of judgment around that because we have this idea of if you want more money, you're not thankful for what you have. You're super greedy. And we have this belief that if I have more money, someone misses out. And I don't believe that because I come from an abundant mindset. And that's not to bypass um, the inequities that are very inherent in money. You know, we could talk about the inequities with women in the workforce. And then we have to go the layer deeper to say the inequities within the inequities, because I, as a white cisgendered woman, my experience is very different. And I make more money on the dollar, although not a dollar like a man makes, but it looks different than you know, my black friends or friends who identify as indigenous or people of color. And so we have to just like keep that in mind and be very present and aware of that. But because we have this fear of judgment, so many women, 60% of women don't even try to negotiate their salary. Like they don't even try to ask for it. That is very interesting to me. And I learned that a few years ago and I was just like, oh my gosh, that's insane. But I also noticed it like when I would talk to my husband about salary and how just innate, no, no, like bash on Scott, but he just, it was like normal to him, normal speak of asking for bonuses, asking for raises. He was getting a raise like every three months. And I'm just like, what, how are you doing that? And, and then I was like, oh, cause this is like your world and you just do that. I feel like when it comes to to finances, like there are so many parallels to dating. There are so many parallels to like diet culture where we, so many of the same things come up of like, well, who am I to want that? Who am I to ask for that? What if they get mad that I asked for it? What if they, you know, when you're accepting a new job and you go back and ask for five or 10,000 more and you're like, well, what if they get mad? And they're like, you can't have the job anymore. Like you weren't supposed to ask for more, you know, you, or I also think about with like diet culture that, you know, we want this quick fix. We want things to just like flip a switch and have everything look the way we want it to look in our, in our finances. And also I think that there is a component there that is similar to diet culture where we see these people who have these like big dramatic success stories whether that's with, oh, they got this big raise or they finally, you know, they quit their job and started this, their own company. And now they, you know, are posting every month about their six figure month and all these things. And you're like, when the reality is that maybe those big dramatic lifestyle changes do work for some people, but for the majority of us, it's like small daily habits. And that's where any of this will shift. It's not necessarily in that 
Brie, to your point, like if you don't know what you need, then if you don't have a, a pulse on your day to day, then how can you expect to get what you want walking into that annual review? Like, yeah, the annual review might be the one big moment where everything shifts, but you need to have your poop in a group first before you can walk into that shift. Totally. I've never heard that before. (laughs) (laughs) It's a nicer way of saying shit together. Have your shit together. (laughs) I love it. Poop in a group. The kindergarten friendly way. That's so true. I mean, your money cannot work for you if you don't know where you're going and what you desire. And identifying what you desire is not a bad thing. We only get one ride on this crazy rock, like burning rock, whatever it is. We only get one ride. So we get to decide what that looks like and how we want it to go. And, oh, I just lost my train of thought. I I had something to say in response to that. Mm. Why don't we take a quick break? Because we have a sponsor to to plug. So this will be a good time. And then you can think about what you wanted to say. This week's sponsor is our favorite people, the makers of Ned. All right, guys, we've talked a lot about Ned in the past weeks. We hope that you will support the podcast by supporting Ned. You know, the CBD market has become very saturated over the last few years. I'm sure you've seen a bazillion ads for CBD. You can buy it in almost every coffee shop or grocery store. But many of the companies out there source their hemp from industrial farms in China. So be careful where you buy your CBD, because just like with low quality alcohol, low quality CBD can have undesired effects. So we've really touted the products we've been using specifically. Mine is the Sleep Blend, which I still love and I stand by it. And I've been starting to use just their their CBD oil during the day. Most of you know that we turned Cadet in last week and I was having some really stressful days. So I was like taking that almost every single day, just trying to calm myself down. But we love this product. Claire, you've also been using this as well. Yeah, I love the de-stress blend. I just kind of use it throughout the evenings as needed to keep me off the cliff when it's bedtime. You know, it doesn't necessarily make the cliff go away, but it does help me take a few more steps back. So that's what I love about CBD is that it really just kind of like helps you manage your own mindset a little bit more easily. If you want to try the new de-stress blend from Ned, a brand that we love and trust, we have a special offer for our listeners. Every order over $40 qualifies for 15% off plus a free de-stress blend sample. Go to helloned.com forward slash joy or enter joy at checkout to take advantage of this offer. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D dot com slash joy to get 15% off plus a free de-stress blend sample on any order over $40. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring our program and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. Thank you, Ned. Thank you to our listeners for supporting the brands that support our podcast. Yeah, I think let's hop back in to that conversation about, you know, just noting the day-to-day and how those little habits add up so that you know you are prepared if you do have the opportunity to have a big picture moment. Yes. Here's the thing, y'all. There are a lot of millionaires walking around and you would never know. And it's because they have these tiny habits where they've been putting into their retirement for a long time or they've been maxing it out. And you know, I think I talked about this on, you know, episode 17 where It was the very first thing I had my students do is start looking at their bank account every day to start desensitizing themselves around money being emotional. And what happens with that is they actually start to become very aware of their spending habits and what's going on. It is those tiny little habits 
that are going to change the game. I always say you don't have to move mountains. You just have to start having movement. You know, it's really important, as we've said a million times, that you know what your money flow is. You know what your expenses are. You know what you want to do. And you know you have this vision for your life. And I say that because it's really easy to get dazzled by someone else. It's really easy to be like, Ooh, I'm going to do that. I want that. I should be doing that. And it's like, do you like, do you actually want that? Does that feel good to you? But we want to know all of those things because you could have an opportunity where a promotion is coming towards you and you don't actually want it. Like that's not in alignment with your goals for your life or um, you don't want the extra responsibility and that's okay too. But we have to know, you have to know what you want and what you desire in order to make those moves. You know, by not asking for money, by having this idea that if I ask for money, then I'm, I'm greedy and I'm not grateful The reality is, is with the pay gaps that women experience and also being out of the workforce, you know, over a 40 year career, that adds up to over $900,000. That's significant. And so if you're in a moment where you're worried about asking for five or $10,000, pop that into a, like pop it into an IRA calculator or a 401k calculator, just to like, you know, show, show yourself so you can see a number, know the numbers, what that actually might do in 15 or 20 years. Then it's different. It's like my, I had a student say, can I pull out from my 401k to pay off this credit card debt? And it's like, well, how much are you really spending? run the numbers. That $50,000 you want to use would actually be $350,000 at your retirement. Know the numbers. Then it's like, oh, I'm not doing that. It's like, cool. Are you willing to pay this interest? When you know the interest and the time span, you can pay it off. Totally different because you're going into this with knowledge to make a decision. I have a very basic question. Are there certain banks or accounts that you're a fan of to have? Okay, we have retirement, like separate from retirement, just a savings account that has a certain, like which banks to have great interest rates. Do you know of any, or do you have any preferences? Or do you think like, no, people just need to find savings account and a checking account or like what, what kind of accounts should people have? I mean, find what works for you. If you're loyal to your bank or whatever, great. You know, I'm not sponsored by anyone. I love Ally. I like Capital One. I'm drawn towards online banks. They're just easier, I think, to open up accounts. And for example, Ally can, you know, you get to- Is that A-L-L-Y? Correct. Yeah. Okay. You get to bucket out your savings. You know, just in general, what I want my individuals, my students to have is, you know, you have your main checking account. If you struggle with overspending or you're struggling trying to stay within like a spending amount for like your play money and everyone should have play money, y'all, you cannot expect to like that needs to be a line item. Even if it's 20 bucks a month, you have to have money that is yours to spend however you want, because when we don't have that, we are in a budget diet mentality And that doesn't work, right? We're looking for sustainability. So I always encourage my students, have have an account where you get to move your spending money over every month that has its own debit account, debit card, because then you know you won't overspend or dip into any of the money that you need for your for your actual like living expenses. I always say have a high interest savings account and you can you can literally pop in high interest savings account and Google that and see interest rates aren't that great right now, but a lot of the online b- banks will give you really, really awesome interest rates. 
that's great for your emergency fund. Mm -hmm. So when you're not going to necessarily touch that money a whole lot, and then I always recommend another account that is, let's just say you're, you cut and color your hair and it's a chunk of money every time, or you pay your electric every three months. I don't know, I'm making these up, but you can, you can add those up. You know, how many times do I do that a year? Divide it by 12. And each month you can move that money into that account. It's called a sinking fund. And that just allows you to get a better cash flow. So when you go to the salon and you need to drop a couple hundred dollars, you've already been saving for it a month at a time. And it actually is going to give you a better cash flow. And so I always want people to have their main account, main checking account, a spending account, their savings account for sinking funds for things that are like, they're just kind of placing the money in there to hold for a little bit. And then their emergency fund that's probably at another bank because it takes a few days to get to you. So it can help uh, help stop you if you're going to um, try to move some money and, and you probably shouldn't. <laughs> like some buffers, some built-in buffers. That's actually really smart. And as you're yeah. talking about all that, if listeners have recommendations for online banks that they really like or credit cards that they find that are giving good bonuses or benefits or whatever. I know Capital One is great. I really like the online bank Synchrony because they have awesome high yield savings accounts that have really good interest rates. But it's again, it's not for just the cash flow. It's just for putting your money there to save it and get interest. So I would love to hear from listeners. Just we maybe we can put like a resource list together for people. All right. Do we want to do some rapid fire questions? Yes. So mere moments ago, Joy posted on our Instagram to get some listener questions. And I think it'd be great to wrap up with those um, and hear what is on everyone else's minds about money. Because I think, you know, all these conversations that we're having, again, similar to relationships, similar to diet culture, this stuff never goes away. Like, I don't think you just wake up one morning and are like, I have solved my finances. I may go on with the rest of my life now, unless maybe you like win the lottery, but actually probably not even then. This person asked, and we kind of already covered this. What are the basics of taking care of our money that we should all be doing? Oh yeah. That's a big one. Number one, you have to start reframing your mindset around money. And the easiest way to do that is to start thinking of your money as a relationship you care about. Sounds really silly, but it will change your behavior with the actual money because what we don't want to stay in is in this space where money equals bad and money is scary because your brain will do everything it can to keep you away from it, to keep you in avoidance. And we don't want to be in avoidance. We want to spend time with our money because knowledge is power. And so when we think about our money as being a relationship we care about, that looks like checking our numbers every day just to see what I spend my money on, having a money date every week where you're actually updating your budget and you know how much money you have left in your line items and you're moving money around. A budget is meant to be flexible, y'all. It's just guide rails. It like when you know the guide rails and like, oh, I'm overspending in this area, then you know what you can move around and what you're willing to do without. But when you don't have that, you you have no idea what you can and can't do. So treating your money um, like a relationship you care about, which is going to lead you into creating a good money flow, aka a budget. Know what that is. Money coming in, money going out, and it should feel flowy. There's a reason why I use that word. It should not feel restrictive. If your budget feels super, super restrictive, and granted, there are going to be individuals who are paycheck to paycheck, and this is going to be, it's going to be an edge. It's going to be a tough but we we want it to be flowy because when it's flowy, we know we are in a space of sustainability. We're not in a space where we have to grit and willpower our way through it like a like an extreme diet. 
that's not what it's about. We are about changing your habits completely so that you have a really good relationship with that money. So starting to build your money flow and getting used to it is great. And just recognize y'all give yourself some grace because when you put numbers down in a budget, you're committing to new habits and behaviors. And so recognize that, right? If you go too extreme, you're not going to be able to do it. Like you, if you're living off of credit cards still, you might have to still live off of credit cards a little bit as you start to dial in your habits and behaviors and just get used to everything. And that's okay. Because again, we're not playing the short game. We're playing the long game. Start doing that. If you have credit card debt, start paying attention to that so that we can actually, you know, create a debt plan, eliminate that just because so many individuals, they pay so much money towards their credit card debt and interest and it's stifling. It removes the freedom that they have to do the things that they want to do in their lives and then start to educate yourself around your retirement and how you're going to set yourself up for your future. I always have my students that give your future self a name. Mine's Shirley. I'm like, what's, how's Shirley going to feel? You know, when she's edging on retirement, what kind of life does Shirley want? Is she doing bridge a lot? Is she traveling to the beach? Like, what what does Shirley look like, right? Because we want to take care of her. And that's not to say you can't enjoy your life now, but so many of us just, you know, I think once you go past 40, you're like, oh, okay, second chapter, here we go. I need to start paying attention to this stuff. It's coming. It's coming, y'all. Like the time will come. Faster than you, you think. Gotta, you got to keep Shirley in pink lipstick and curlers. <laughs> yes, for Can't sure. Can't run out of her pink lipstick budget. Okay. Yeah. So speaking of that, somebody asks, we have our budgets, but what happens when inflation throws everything off? Eat less? Help. Oh, ah. I hate this. We're in it for sure with inflation. Here's the reality. Not sexy. You're not going to like the answer. These are our options. We can spend less. We can make more. We can do both. And so when we're in that space and inflation is happening, then we have to start going through an audit. Again, have value, know your values for your life. Know your values for your life. Know the vision for your life. These might have to shift. You might be in a circumstance where you're not making enough money or the dollar doesn't stretch as much as it used to. You need to be able to go back to say, what am I willing to let go of or shift in order to make this work? Are there options for me to make more money? Like those are, that's the reality. I'm not going to say eat less, but you could, I don't want to give anyone diet food eating advice. That's not what this is about, but it might be something like, oh, I eat vegetarian twice a, a week now. And, you know, and that that helps me on my like grocery budget. I don't know what that is, but you have to start being creative, but no, make more, spend less, do both. Those are your three options. They really are the options. And when you know that it removes any of the inks because you're like, well, okay, I got to figure it out within these parameters. And that sounds so simple. Like it's like that make more, spend less, like what could be simpler. And, but it's like, that's, that process is so much more complex. Like I think it's, it is always so freeing to hear super complex processes summed up in like quick little, you know, quick advice. And also I can't, you know, I I feel like I feel for this, for anyone out there who is sitting there being like, I had, but I had this figured out. (laughs) Come on. Like that. It's a crappy feeling. And you'd be surprised of what you will come up with if you just kind of evaluate all your expensive expenses and maybe the businesses you're doing business with. For example, we just recently uh, looked at our trash pickup people and how much we were paying per month. And we asked our neighbors and they're like, what? You're paying like five times as much than we are. And we're like, what? 
And so we changed garbage disposal services. And we we're like, you know, just so things like that, you just don't know until you kind of just really dig into some of the services you're doing or like, Scott will be like, we don't watch Showtime anymore. Can we get rid of that? Or like just the things that you kind of assume that you're always just paying for, like, do you really need to pay for that? So that's what I would suggest too, is just everything that you're already paying for, see if there's something cheaper or do you really need to do that? And like, maybe this is just, you know, City of Longmont. I don't know that I would have an option to change my (laughs) trash pickup people. Who knew? Who knew that that was even something that you could be looking at? Not me. Oh, yeah. 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 We I, were paying I love so that. much money. I love that. Assess everything that you're currently spending and ask mm-hmm. yourself, like, are, am I using this? Do I care about it? Is it important? What attachment do I have to having this thing? And that can do wonders for sure. Yeah. Like we, another example is we were paying every single month just auto draft, like those gnarly things that it's impossible to cancel. And every month I was getting automatic draft or whatever from um, a security company because we had an alarm system in our house. And we got we got our windows reinstalled. We got new windows. And so we had to kind of redo all of our security system. Well, it turns out it's so much cheaper long term to just get cameras around your house. And I canceled that service, even though it was impossible to cancel. They like really lay it on thick. They're like, well, we'll how about a dollar a month? They like really give <laughs> they really want you to stay. And it was like Ross on Friends where he's like, I want to quit the gym. That's exactly how it was for me. But I was spending way more long term than we would just buying cameras for the house. And we're like, actually, cameras are way better than an alarm system because a noise just goes off versus like you have. Anyway, so like those are the things that we just kind of were like, why are we paying for this? This is way. Yeah. So highly recommend doing that, too. Okay, one last question. This is a big one. So maybe this is more of like a where to look for information on this. And the question is, thoughts on crypto? Oh, boy, <laughs> that's a big one. <laughs> so maybe just like, where do you, where, what are some resources? Maybe we can share some links. Like I know crypto is like this whole gigantic topic. I get like very quick. Do you think it's, do you think it's worth it for the average person to be spending time worrying about crypto? Is this like the compression tights of the financial world where like, if you don't have everything else dialed, then compression tights aren't going to help? Oh my God, that's the best. (laughs) Um, You know, well, there are a lot of, there are a lot of different schools of thoughts and there are some coaches who would guide you to say, you have to start investing in the stock market, even if you have credit card debt. And there are other who are like, pay off your credit card debt and then you can start investing. So you have to start to find your edge and your risk and what feels good to you. I always tell my students this, what feels good to you? Because your risk tolerance, the life you want, your values is different from the person next to you. And you have to pay attention to that. Otherwise, you're going to get on a plan and a trajectory that's not going to serve you. There's so many sites you can look at. I really love Investopia as just a site that gives really good articles to break things down. I'm sure um, Elvest probably has some things as well. There are other money coaches out there that are doing just trainings on it. And so I think if you popped in cryptocurrency and money coach, you would start to find a lot of individuals. I'm not going to tell you if it's good or bad. That's not my space. I know that sucks because it is so up to your risk tolerance. Like some students don't want to get into the stock market or it freaks them out. What freaks them out because they don't know enough about it. So knowledge is power. Just remind yourself of that. And whatever money you feel like you're going to put in, just like the stock market, 
it. You're playing the long game. That's my, that's my philosophy. You're playing the long game. And so if you are hoping to beat the market, good luck. Lots of people have tried it. And if you lost that money in five years, how, how devastating would that be? Start to go through some, some questions in your head so that you can evaluate your own risk tolerance for those things. I almost feel like that was a little bit on the edge of I could have asked you about multi-level marketing, but I'm not going to. <laughs> it's kind of, It feels like the same answer of like, uh, just be careful. I mean, I, I like people. Though, yeah, I like though that, you know, it's like the crypto. I think that crypto is so new and shiny that we kind of forget the like, it's kind of just another stock market. And, you know, a lot of us, use stock market experts to help us invest our money in the stock market. You know, I have money invested in the stock market. I don't spend, and I, you know, have a financial advisor to help me with that because I know that I don't have the time or the resources or the background knowledge to really understand what's going on. And so I also don't know why I would expect that from myself around crypto, but like all of a sudden I'm going to wake up one morning and have this like special interest in this like entire currency system that I have not been paying attention to at all. Well, what's really fascinating is um, most people don't think about this. Our money system, our current currency, it is make-believe. There's only 8% of the currency that's real. Like if everyone went to the bank right now and wanted to get their money, it could not happen. So 92% of the currency rolling around is in spreadsheets and, you know, hard drives and whatever. And it works because we believe in it. So remind yourself of that. The minute you're telling yourself, I can't make more money. It's like, listen, you know, have you ever transferred money? And you're like, well, there went $6,000. I haven't seen it in the other bank yet. Just floating out (laughs) in the ether. floating around. (laughs) Yes. Like, yeah, I don't know about, I like, we should all aspire to just have a Scrooge McDuck pool full of gold coins, but like, that's just not the reality. (laughs) (laughs) Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. And you could get it and no one's going to take it. They're like, we don't take actual money. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> the only place like they is the farmer's market. I hope you're that doing touchless now. Thank you. Yeah. What is this money? This dirty yeah, money with just, COVID I'm all over it. Scan your retina. Yeah. So remind yourself, your y'all, belief. We believe in it. And so it works. So great your point. beliefs are really important. Mm-hmm. Great point. Okay. Well, Bree, thank you so much. Where thank can you. everyone find you? You can find me at theschoolofbuddy.com. That's Betty, B-E-T-T-Y, not Buddy. <laughs> that happens a lot. Um, I spend most of my time on Instagram. If you are on the social media platforms, that's the School of Betty as well. Yeah, I've got courses. I'll be launching the next Fierce Finances in January. That's usually our biggest cohort. It's so fun to get everyone rolling in the new year. And so you can find information on uh, my Instagram and on my website for that. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. Listeners, you know where to find us at Claire underscore on Instagram, joyandclaire.com. This is Claire at gmail.com. Send us your questions. Send us your thoughts. Send us your hopes and dreams. We will talk to you next week. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Ned, helloned.com discount code is joy. Thank you so much. See you next Thursday. Bye guys.